Welcome. Well, Jonathan, you do it. Welcome to Trinity Radio Extra. Extra. Read all about it. Yeah. I'm Jonathan Bridget, and along with me is... Braxton Hunter. Of course. And today we are going to talk about evangelism, personal evangelism, and when do you bail on evangelism? I don't think you should ever bail on evangelism. Do you not? Well, maybe you can convince me. Well, uh... At least in principle, maybe Jesus can convince you because if they won't, he sent his disciples in to go out and, and, and share the good news and said, if uh, they won't receive your message, you can leave and shake. Are we just jumping right into it now? Should I present objections or should we do a little more preliminary? Yeah, well, I'm hello just saying, well, you, hi, had, everyone. well, you made a statement, so I'm responding to it. So at least in principle. Um, hey, it's more your show than it is mine. I know. I'm just saying at least in principle, there is a that you don't have to sit there uh someone someone didn't have to yeah someone didn't have to yeah i mean it's it doesn't have to go on forever but i do think that the bible does give us um some things to talk about with respect to that <laughs> uh yeah so, of course it does yeah, there is guess what there's evangelism in the bible did you know this you can't be too sure, especially when you're talking to apologists. You had to make a video to apologists to tell them, hey, read your Bibles. So, yeah, and you know, this is the first... Um, this I'm is, kidding. Apologists, no. There's no apologists watching this. This is oh. the theology section oh, yeah. right. of Trinity Radio. Um, this is Trinity Radio Extra. And by the way, thank you so much for being here. You are a small, right now, a smallish ragtag group of Trinitarians who have gone further than Trinity Radio proper. And you've gotten down into the belly of the beast with uh, Trinity Radio Extra. And so we greatly appreciate you. This is more like the stuff we used to do back in the day before Matt Dillahunty, before debates, before atheism absorbed the content of Trinity Radio. And so we're so pleased that you're here for this. Really, not the first ever episode of Trinity Radio Extra. But the first one where we've sat down together and took a topic right. and, and we're doing this. Yeah. So it's really cool that you're here. And it's really annoying. It's wonderful. It's kind of annoying that we accomplished in two weeks what it took us like two years right. to accomplish. Yeah, we had over 500 <laughs> subscribers at the time of this video. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this because I get to pick the topics. But I didn't actually pick this topic. Someone had asked us a question. Who was it? Um, yeah. <laughs> Someone in the Trinity Radio primetime discussion right. Facebook group I, that I you can be a part of. I say Jose did, but I can't remember. I can't remember exactly. But somebody did ask and then asked again about a week later. And I was like, yeah, I do want to talk about that because, um, well, to kick things right off, in Let's my ministry experience, and I know because I know you well enough now after getting to know you over the years. In your ministry experience. Yes. Both of our ministry experience corresponds with much of what we find in the Bible, and that is public evangelism leads to more conversions uh, of, of people than personal evangelism in our experience. Um, yeah, more immediate numbers. Yeah, I, I've probably led more people to Christ from a stage right. than I have individually. Right. A, a public, a but that could be a deficit on my part. I don't know. Maybe I'm not as personally evangelistic enough as much as I should be. I don't know. Well, I think, but that's what we find. I mean, when there's more people, a larger audience, yeah. more concentrated, that's bound to happen. That's sure. why in the early chapters of Acts, we see thousands. Peter coming. and Paul did yeah. it. And, yeah. yeah. But 
you know, I, and, and we could talk about Jesus, the woman at the well. He, uh, in, in a way, evangelized to her, and then she ran off to the town and told everybody about Jesus, right? So She was an evangelist in that sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go and tell everybody, that was an instance of personal evangelism that took off to public evangelism. Right, yeah. Right. So in the end, it's, so all of it counts. All of it, you never know what the off... Uh, the, the offspring of, of a, or, or the consequences or, or the whatever word you want to... Of look. a given ev- uh, personal evangelism right. moment. So it's obviously important. Um, Jesus seemed to have fared better than, uh, than many people. I read a quote uh, from John MacArthur where he said, Jesus would have flunked every... You love John MacArthur. Uh, my favorite. Uh, Jesus would have flunked every modern... Uh, personal evangelism course, uh, you know, offered in every seminary that he's aware of. I wonder if he was including the master's university. No, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Jesus, um, Jesus knew what he's doing. Uh, you could think of, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. Jesus knew what he's doing. <laughs> um, you know, you could think uh, the, the story with Cornelius, somebody finally said it, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's better than saying that he wasn't admittedly perfect. That's, you know, someone said that too. That's yeah, Don, Don, somebody. Lemon, yeah. Lemon, yeah. Um, nut job. But the the story with Cornelius, for example, in the book of Acts with Peter, mm-hmm. that had visions involved. So I don't think that's going to be most people's experience. Uh, but then you have um, Philip popping up into the chariot with the eunuch yeah. and uh, the Ethiopian one. The, yeah, the Ethiopian mm-hmm. eunuch. And and right there, after explaining to him Isaiah. He baptized him. He, he You know, hey, look, there's water. Let's go, you know, let's get this done. Yeah. Right. That's an, and, and that's going to and I'm going to come back to that because that's also something that I want to cover today. Um, a, a principle you can learn from that. And then, you know. I bet I know what it is. Take your guess. That we should baptize people day one? No. Oh. I'm not opposed to that. I think we should. Yeah, I mean, well, but see, you've got to get the family there so they can take the pictures. They've got to rent the uh, horse trough or if they don't have a baptismal anymore because new churches don't have the, what the old churches Yeah, have. I don't think it's wrong yeah. if you wait. I'm just saying when we see it in the Bible, it seems to be they got saved, baptized them. Yeah. yeah. And what we see from tr- early church history and Subsequent church history, though, is that wasn't always necessarily the case either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you got that, is you have Paul talking to Felix, and Paul talking to um, Agrippa. Agrippa. Both times used personal testimony. Neither were recorded in the Book of Acts of becoming a Christian. And the Felix stories got some things in there that I want to come back to as well. Um, that I think that we can. Take it's a kind of a well-known one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you've got the jailer, right? Uh, Lydia, but that involved the household. So personal evangelism, we can say, can include uh, individuals in small groups, right? That's more personal or intimate setting, as opposed to public evangelism in you know, large groups, public proclamation, whether that's in church or or on a, on the streets or in you know a lecture mm-hmm. hall or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So I think far and away, uh, as far as numbers of converts, uh, public evangelism 
dwarfs uh, personal evangelism in terms of of uh, what we see in scripture. What we see in scripture, and probably for those who are still doing revivals, what we see. Now, if you take every instance of personal evangelism that we're including small group evangelism and pile them all up, mm-hmm. right? That's different. Yeah, you but might have talk- more. You probably would have more. But, but I'm talking about in the in 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 the lives of a believer. Mm-hmm. Not every believer is called to public evangelism. Yeah, and you know people who have come into public evangelism who ought not be in public evangelism. Mm-hmm. You've seen that as well. You've got you've told me the stories. Maybe maybe story time with uh, Uncle Braxton can replace the story time with Uncle Layton, and then you can tell <laughs> some stories on Trinity Radio Extra about. I can tell stories about evangelists who don't belong, especially in the music ministry type thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, but far and away, public evangelism in the life of any believer is going to probably yield more converts than personal evangelism because most people, most Christians are going to have a job and they're going to do other things and, and they don't, you know, they're going to spend time with their family. And I guess, you know, that's your primary when you have children, that those are your primary objects of evangelism is is training your kids up into the faith and leading them to Christ. Um, and then you go out from there. But Felix is an interesting story here because, you know, he put Paul in jail, right? Mm-hmm. He was, and this kind of reminds you of an American context because Felix had knowledge of the way, as it said, and said, why don't you persuade me to become a Christian? Mm -hmm. You know, so he was familiar with what Paul was talking about. Well, a lot of people in America are familiar with Christianity by now. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they actually know the gospel message, at least the right presentation of it. But generally speaking, most people are aware of Christianity, you know, and have some sort of familiarity that has to do with believing in Jesus and a cross and sins and all that stuff. So there's a, there's a rough and ready, set of ideas that most people in the United States will have for, for uh, that whole thing. So am I, I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to make a professional out of you, Dr. Bush. Okay. Well, I don't care. Go on. Okay. So you've got that and there you go. But what's interesting about that story mm-hmm. and it's in Acts chapter 24, if you want to read it later, um, they carry conversations over a period of time because mm-hmm. Paul was there for about two years and, and, and Felix would often send for Paul. He said, you know, I, I want to talk to you more about this. And the text indicates that he would send for Paul from time to time. Okay. What's interesting about that is Felix was always initiating these conversations with Paul, apparently, because I mean, when you have a guy in prison, you, init- but the thing that you can draw out from that is he, he wanted to bring it up. Right. Even in public evangelism settings, you have the people who believed and the people who didn't and the people who wanted to hear more. Acts chapter 17 Mm -hmm. is a good example of that. So. Mm -hmm. But with the personal evangelism, I think what I what I can glean from both experience and scripture is that public evangelism is just more effective. The less you know a person is typically more effective, right? Philip didn't know that eunuch personally, and it didn't... You know, let's... Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. So I think... I I agree with the sentiment I think you're expressing. Yeah. 
So that's how you know I'm about to maybe take issue with something you're going to say, right? Is because <laughs> right. I, I agree with the sentiment you're right. expressing. No, but seriously, um, I, I still don't know if you caught it, but um, Mike Lycona had that discussion with Laura Robinson the other day on capturing Christianity. And he said, you know that book, The Five Love Languages? You know that book, right? Yeah. Have you ever read it? No. Do you know what your love language is? No. It's words of affirmation. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, everyone in the audience knows it if they know the book. Um, but anyway. Well, I give so, myself those things all the time. I know. That's that's how I know you need it is because nobody's giving it to you. You got to give it to yourself. Oh. So no, I just thought that was arrogance. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it can express itself as arrogance, but some people feel loved when people affirm them. This is old Trinity radio. We're way yeah, off. The... <laughs> that's okay. That's what this is for. Okay. So, um, see your hypothesis is that people just like to see us hang out and talk. Yeah. So here we are. Um, but no, this is bad. This is on point. So he said only because they've told us that in comments. Right. So, okay. So take, so five long love languages, like some people feel loved by, um, having people affirm them with, you know, verbally, mm -hmm. some people feel loved when you do acts of service for them like clean the house for your wife. Mm -hmm. uh, some people feel loved by physical touch, you know? Um, so there's all these different ways to feel loved. And in a, in a marriage, the reason the book was so you know successful was in a marriage, let's say. Did you read a review of the book and that's where you got No, the I, read you, you read okay. no I read this book. I read this book. But in, in a marriage, uh, let's that say. That just shows you the difference in our reading preference. Oh, I didn't read it recently. I read it like way back okay. when I was going to get married and I'm like, what do I need to know? But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they gave me that book and they gave me who's they that they christened them and they gave me a book that was like a devotional. So you book. read a blog that told you what what you need. No, to no, read. like church people and oh, stuff. Okay. Here's what you need, son. Oh, yeah. and they gave me and they gave me a, a devotional type book that you're supposed to do at night called Nightlight that you can still get for you and your wife to do a devotion together. We did it for like a week. Oh, I want to write one and and <laughs> for, for married couples. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, we're getting further and further away. It's like Paul's writing in Romans. It's like a parenthesis within a parenthesis. Yeah. But anyway. Well, um, I mean, he's just got this whole digression yeah. from verse 10 of chapter three all the way to chapter nine, verse three. Yeah, I mean, look, Paul, three, there's nothing nine, wrong with us saying Paul went off on some tangents, yeah, man. And, 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 yeah. In Romans chapter three, first, they had the very words of God. You don't get to anything else until he says to them belong, you know, yeah. the worship and, and everything. Yeah. So, so, yeah, long. It's still so, structured as a disposition. So let's, it's just as a what? Say it again. Disposition. It's, yeah. it's the way that in Greco yeah, I know what it is. Rhetoric. I wanted you to say it for them because I've listened to your course on this and you've got a course where you actually not only break down these things, but then apply them to sermon building for people that want to write sermons. Right. So anyway, but the point I want to make is let's tighten up this parentheses. And let me just finish off that thought about okay. books. Someone also gave us a creepy book by, um, Tim LaHaye and his wife about, oh, no. about sex, about how, to, oh, how, how you need to approach sex. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so, between him and Mark Driscoll's book, you should be yes, set. Right? It's somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> it's somewhere in the middle. But um, what, what were we even talking Personal about? evangelism. You wanted to take issue with things that I said about. From love languages. Gathered, no, the five love languages. Yeah. So anyway, you have these different ways, right? Yeah. So Lycona took that with people that, when in terms of faith, like my mother doesn't need apologetics. She just doesn't. She may be, you know, I think everyone ought to learn some apologetics to use, but she doesn't need it. She's like, she's like, she's the, the doubt. The idea that she would doubt is so foreign 
to my mother is I had a dinner with a couple lunch with a couple uh, a few days ago. You know them. Don't call their names though. And the, 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 the young lady in this uh, relationship is experiencing some doubt in her faith. And I looked at the husband and I said, what about you? Are you, he's like, no, I'm rock solid. I mean, they're just, so, so there's like languages, just like the love languages. Yeah. Some people just have faith. Some people like me and you perhaps need a little evidence or it helps, mm-hmm. you know, some people, uh, I don't know. There, there's different ways. And like Hunter brought that out. I thought that was really good. Likewise, I think we can extrapolate that out to, um, people coming to Christ. So I don't know if we can say, except in a very, I don't know if we can say it's public proclamation of the gospel toward, um, immediate repentance and faith is the better way or is more effective. I th- I think what we can yeah, say, I didn't make that what, what, what I'm I think saying, you did say more effective at it's well, more effective in getting mass converts, uh, in the life, well, of, that's in the life of someone in ministry. Okay. Yes, that's definitely true. Right. But I think that different people are approached differently. So for example, if you have someone who has, you know, that, that, well, let's just say, cause it's still evangelism, a lot of intellectual objections to Christianity or a background where a bunch of Christians did them wrong or something yeah. like that. It may take weeks or months or years of evangelizing that person personally. And it may be for that person, it's better that they do know you. But you're absolutely right that for some people, the fact that you know me, I'm, I'm less inclined to take you seriously. Right. Whereas somebody I don't know, that's why pastors, listen to me, pastors, if we have any out there listening, and I'm confident we do. Listen, this is why bringing in, I know this isn't what is supposed to be cool anymore, but bringing in an evangelist, like an Ephesians 4.11 evangelist into your church to preach the same gospel message you're already preaching yeah, but can be effective. Because, no, because there's something about the guy with the briefcase from out of town that I don't know that he that that I'm maybe more open. Yeah. And you're good at it. Your dad's well, better you. at it, but you're good at it. Well, thank you. He's had more experience. I don't mind saying my dad's better at it. You said your dad's the boss. Did you? Yeah. yeah did I you saw, see my oh, picture? Yeah, I saw that post. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he is. Wasn't that an awesome picture? Yeah. I wanted people to see that. And he looked like so quintessential like he's under a tent i think there yeah and he's preaching and yeah yeah awesome awesome evangelist um but no i do think it's more effective in getting um in the life of a minister it's getting uh, winning more people to christ far and away um more effective uh like i said but also said you could take the total number of personal evangelism converts but what does personal evangelism look like some people think it is always sharing the gospel and if you and if you're always sharing the gospel, that's evangelism. But if you're talking about Christianity, that's not evangelism. What do you think about that? Because I think in a lot of these situations where if you know the person well, then you're having conversations, but they're not always going back to the gospel. Sometimes they're going to, uh, in the 21st century anyway, apologetic issues and questions and questions about Christian theology and things like that that don't necessarily... Uh, get to the gospel in every conversation, even though, you, yes, to sound pious, you should share the gospel in every conversation. Uh, but, okay, well, but, but, but not, that's not going to be the, just like it's not the, the gospel sermon or the gospel message is not the center of every sermon, even if you tack it on there at the end, like Joel Osteen or whatever, but or you do better than that. But um, I, I'm actually pleased that he did that. I don't know if he still does it. <laughs> yeah. 
but no, you can do what does Spurgeon say, beeline to the gospel from every text or whatever. Okay. Um, but just like the kerygma is not the the main point of every sermon. Yeah. Uh, so it's not going to be the main point of every conversation, but I still think that talking about it, and this is going to be maybe unpopular. I do think that talking about it, having conversations about Christianity still, if it has evangelism at its goal, if it's not 100% focused on the death and resurrection of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and raised for your just all that, it's still, you can still talk to an unbeliever about those things with the aim of, yeah, I, of, so, of, of evangelism. So evangelism, obviously, etymologically, has to do with sharing the good news, right? Yeah. About the kingdom. And then, of yeah. course, but let's let's say this broadly speaking you're doing evangelism if what you're doing is angled toward the goal of someone coming to faith in right. christ and that now i think like what a lot of people want to say is and i even heard someone just a few days ago and i had to really bite my tongue about this but they they were pointing to saint francis assisi um you know so interested in animals and, and so interested and and uh very evangelistic and and there's a there's a statement that is often uh ascribed to him that no one can demonstrate he ever said and the likelihood is from what we know about the man he never would say and that is preach the gospel if necessary use words yeah uh that th that cannot be demonstrated to have come from the lips of francis assisi and as much as the man ministered and was preaching, it's unlikely. But now, here, here's the thing about it. Um, there's always going to come a point, which if you're doing evangelism, you're going to use propositional statements about the nature of reality and the need for a Savior and, and sin in the life of the believer and all those kind of things. I mean, it's going to take propositional information. But that doesn't mean that every time you talk to the person, that has to be what it is. You go through this laundry list. Um, it can be, you do need to do that, but also like one thing that you can do evangelistically is off, you know, there are these acts of service things like in your community, like, Hey, can we wash your windows for you at some business? And then in doing so you share the gospel, but you're also demonstrating that we care about you and want to benefit. Right. You. But I agree with you that there's got to be gospel content, you know, because you know, some people say, well, if you just go and be the church, that is your evangelist. No, it isn't. There's one exception. That's your service, but that's not your evangelism. There's one biblical exception, and I think it's in First Peter, where the wives are told um, to operate basically that way with their husbands. But that was, that was because in that cultural context... A woman who was constantly beating down you're her husband. About, oh, you're talking about Paul in First Corinthians about the unbelieving spouse. No, I think it's in Peter. I could I could be wrong. Let me let me. You talk about something where now. where where it says if they leave. No. Oh. I can edit this out. Women are not. This is like the old days. Yeah. To preach at their husbands it'd be funny if this whole time i was actually live i'm not <laughs> no i i thought uh i thought you were talking about like being a good or in first corinthians 7 about the unbelieving spouse and he's like you know 
your your actions can save you or you you may win him over by the way you act you know first peter 3 1 wives in this same way submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your oh, yeah, wives yeah, yeah okay yeah that's yeah. in his household code part. okay yeah no, actually, um, I think it's First Peter three. In First Peter three, he's talking about wives submit to your own husbands, and the whole idea is that they'll—I don't have it verbatim—but the idea is that you, you'll win them over. With they'll your, see yeah. their good behavior, and, and it'll win them over. Right. And I think that the—I think that the idea there, or the reason that that is a true exception, is because culturally speaking, if a wife has an unbelieving husband in that culture, she's going to be seen as shamefully disrespecting her. And this could actually lower his status among right. other men in the community. And it could actually have a counterproductive, uh, uh, you know, it could be counterproductive to the spread of the gospel. Yeah. Cause typically in the ancient world, you know, whatever the head of the family or the head of the house, the pater mm -hmm. family, whatever his religion was, mm -hmm. the whole household follows. So if you've got this wife who ain't on board with the head of the house, well, if she's made, if yeah, that's a problem publicly, and they want to keep that private. But even within a household, we're talking about ancient households, not nuclear families. We're talking mm -hmm. about up to as many as forty people within the household, mm -hmm. and if that could come off as a as a you know disrespectful wife mouthing sermons to her husband, you know my yeah yeah so so that's a true exception. Yeah, and I, and I do think that that is an exception that doesn't overturn the rule, like you said, yeah. because, because if you, if you add no gospel content to your, but that's also internal, that's manner. That's, that falls under the rubric. That's in a house. Those are household codes. Mm -hmm. And that, it doesn't say some other woman couldn't preach to her husband. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and, but that's, that's talking about what happens within the house, you know, yeah. in the private space, not in the public space. Mm -hmm. So in the public space, you've got to put some words to, to your actions and do your charitable acts of service and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So I do think there are other ways to evangelize. Uh, I think evangelism is broader than just the proclamation, but the proclamation of propositional information definitely does yeah. need to be there. Now, back to your point about, well, what about just talking theology with people or yeah. talking about God? Yeah, because it, just like washing someone's windows, if your goal is to interest them in the things of God so that ultimately they might accept that propositional claim that you have shared with them, yeah. then I, I think that's fine. I yeah. Don't, I, you know, yeah. But I do think, as with what you said with the, with the, the, uh, the evangelist the, with the briefcase coming into the town as mm -hmm. opposed to uh, you know, the preacher giving the same message every Sunday in the pulpit, I still think... You know, in my experience, winning over, of course, Jesus won over his brothers. So, but again, exception, you know, um, but what we find with jailer and what we find with the Ethiopian eunuch is we, they don't know these people. And, and I have found that, and you and I have talked about this where we, have talked to somebody on the street and then right there prayed to receive Christ with them. And we've also talked about people in our lives who we have witnessed to for years. Yeah, that's definitely true. Nothing. I, I, I have, I've seen more people come to faith in Christ through our ministry 
that I don't know than those who I do know. There's been very few ultimately that I do know. And some of those who I did know who came to faith in Christ were still people that uh, I may have known them, but they were, I knew them in the capacity of they've been coming to our church for a while and we've gone out to dinner. And so I knew them, but I didn't really know them. You know, it really was, I knew them in the capacity of pastor and church person, you know? So yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's people that you don't know. There is something to that. Right. Uh, there's a familiarity with family and friends, especially the longer you've known them that, Oh, you're just giving me your stuff again. But let's go back for a minute because I don't know if everybody's heard this, but I'm going to share an example of something that, um, well, this wasn't really evangelistic, but I think it could make the point still. Okay. And that is the Braxton Hunter kayak fiasco. Oh, I love this story. Of 2003, four ish, three, maybe. And, and I, I have to, I have to say, after, after that is probably my say it's not as good as as your wedding day story because that's just classic but this is almost as good and because i'd been around when i first heard that i'd only known you for a couple of months mm -hmm. you know then you said it one you gave it down there at center of hope one sunday morning mm -hmm. and i've had a lifetime experience of listening to preachers tell tall tales but i always believed you 80 percent. well first of all i've got the newspaper yeah from it. I, no that's what i'm saying I believed you 80%, but I was like, that could be. He's got to be exaggerating. Uh, maybe. But then it was like, I think it was like a year and a half later. Yeah. After I heard that story that you randomly posted the newspaper article. Yeah. And I was like, I will never doubt him again. <laughs> yeah, and well, it wasn't I'm... a lot of doubt, but I'm just saying, you know, there's 20 I'm glad to hear you say that. But yeah. you know what, Pritchett, th there's some similarity here because uh, you're such a loud mouth. That I thought for Thank sure you, you were so, I just thought you were so full of BS. Uh, but I have seen, I have heard you say things that sound like BS so many times and then found out I was wrong that I, likewise, I don't distrust you right. anymore. Uh, stranger <laughs> than fiction. Uh, yeah, but right. Speaking of which, you've got to tell us. It's okay, so, so what happened was. It is I, evangelism because of what happened. Well, yeah. yes. It, okay, let me tell a story and then I'll draw comments on okay. it. But um, so when I was pastoring in the second church, I pastored in McMinnville, Tennessee, small town, southern middle Tennessee, near uh, Chattanooga in the mountains. And um, we were growing by leaps and bounds. We'd gotten up to ultimately we got up to over 600 in regular attendance. And, and but but at this point, it was not quite that big, but it was still growing fast. And there were two guys who had who were about my age who had joined or who had started coming to our church. Their wives were involved in everything, but they hadn't become members in the local church. Now, obviously you don't have to have memberships in local churches, right. but we did, we were Southern Baptist. And so I went up to them and I said, Hey guys, I said, what, what have I got to do to get you guys to join our church? And they said, well, um, we like to go kayaking and, and it's not like they came right out with this. We talked for a little bit and they said, we like to go kayaking. Now this, we want to know that the pastor of the church where I, someone we can have a relationship with, someone who's really excited about what he believes, someone that cares about our lives, blah, blah, blah. And they said, so we're going to go kayaking this Saturday. If you'll go kayaking with us on Saturday, we'll join your church on Sunday. Well, I've always had two um, you know, caveats to um, whether I should do a particular thing in ministry, and that is, number one, is it immoral? Number two, is it unbiblical? If it's either of those things, we don't do it. Um, and it wasn't. That seems fine, so it was weird, but we did it. So I went out to the river, 
And that day it had it had we we say I don't know if they have this phrase in Arkansas, but in Tennessee it had flum a cud the night before, which means uh, that's like Tennessee language for it's raining cats and dogs. And that's, that's Arkansas language for it, it was raining real hard and it flooded. Yeah. And so, um, so we got out there and they, and the water must've been going like a hundred miles an hour. And it was like below freezing temperatures. And they said, now look, we don't have to go um, in the river. We, because we don't have to go kayaking today because you know, it's, it's dangerous. And you know, we know you're a pastor. And I was like, well, what was that have to do with it? Well, we know that pastors aren't really that manly. We don't. <laughs> I said, let's sign me up. So they said, now there's one thing you need to know. It is impossible to tip over and completely fall out of a kayak. Don't believe anyone who tells you any nonsense like that. That is a lie. And so we all got into our kayaks and none of us were on our kayaks for more than a minute. The first guy fell out and uh, was and hit his head on a log and was floating half unconscious down the river before finally coming to and grabbing onto a tree like a drowned cat. The other guy was underneath me drowning and his wife was pregnant. And I thought, is he ever even going to get to see his kid? And I was doing the most heroic thing you could ever imagine. I was swimming for shore to save myself. And about the time I pulled myself up out of the river, pulled myself up out of the river, I heard sirens. And someone with a cell phone had called the emergency services. And here came all the police, State County, here they all came to pull these three lunatics out of the river. And then they had three ambulances, one for each one of us, and two fire trucks. And here it all came. And uh, so before this whole thing was done, the news media had arrived. And we ended up four columns wide on the front page of our city paper, which was not a big paper, but we also ended up on the news all over Tennessee that night. You've got to post the... the, the, the <laughs> I'll, the, I'll the find it again. and post yeah. it. It's somewhere on Facebook. And so uh, so I, I, I thought, I'm going to get fired as the pastor of this church because of this. So I thought, I'm going to do something that Baptists are known for. And that is, I'm not going to lie exactly, but I'm going to take the truth and bend it all out of shape. <laughs> I'm going to tell them that my name is Chris Hunter. They'll never put it together that... I'm Christopher Braxton Hunter of Cornerstone Baptist Church, 49 Golf Club Road, McMinnville, Tennessee. But little did I know that my buddy who was out there on the tree like a half-drowned cat being shoveled off onto a police rescue boat was in his delirium going on about how he was out there with Christopher Braxton Hunter, the pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And what was worse, this was what was apparently required to become a member in our local fellowship. Um, he didn't say that part. I just made that up for the story. See, I've gotten better now. I'll at least tell you when I'm making something up. And so, uh, so I said, finally, they figured out who I was. And I said, all right, look, I'll give you a statement. They wanted me to make a statement. So I said, I'll give you a statement, but make sure that it is the, the, the last thing in the article. And you've got to put it down exactly like I say it. And the paper was going to come out on Sunday morning. This was Saturday. So I said, I make no statement at present, but there will be a press conference at precisely 1045. That's when our church service started. On Sunday morning at Cornerstone Baptist Church, all are invited to attend. And I thought, you know, this way, then, you know, it'll, it will get everybody there. And so I was thinking, how can I use this to see people come to faith in Christ? Now, you might think you weren't really thinking that. I was. Now, it was admittedly about job security as much as anything else on this particular day. But, uh, but so, so on that day, man, we had a crowd like you wouldn't believe. You would have thought that uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden had both got saved and were in there giving their testimonies. <laughs> and so they were on both sides of the, of the aisle, up and down. And um, I hid backstage because I didn't want to see anybody to be made fun of. And it was time for when the music was all done, it was time for me to preach. I walked out, but they had one more song and this was not planned. But the song they began to sing was step into the water, <laughs> tread out a little bit deeper. And so I preached. Well, 
so what's the point of all that? Well, um, everyone who was on the emergency uh, crew that came out that day, whether they were policemen, firefighters, EMT, whatever, came to our church for subsequent services, either that day or in other services. And the ones that um, didn't have a church home found a church home. And the ones that were Christians but weren't really right with God got right with God. And the ones that weren't saved got saved. Now, do you know why that happened? You say, well, that's because you're, um, that's because you've been to Bible college. They teach you that sort of thing. No, they do not teach kayak evangelism at Bible college. <laughs> so, well, it's because you've been to Bible college, though, and you think a lot and you, you're so brilliant and all that. Well, that may have been a part of it. Let's not get carried away. But no, it's because you should try to use the big and small moments of your life to see people come to faith in Christ. Uh, not because I'm a preacher, not because I've been to Bible college, but because like everyone who's a Christian, that's what Christians are supposed to do. Right. Now, those two, we had people come to Christ out of all that. Now, the two guys, I was just interested in them becoming members of the church. But let's say that's what it would take for them to keep coming to church or to let me share the gospel with them. Well, in such a case, you really would have kayak evangelism. Going kayaking with those two guys was a form of evangelism because it facilitated an opportunity for one, me to build relationship with them, hear about them, but also to present the propositional truth claims of the gospel. Right. So it had an evangelistic aim to it. Yeah. Or it so, could have had, and it definitely had an evangelistic result. Yeah. Even if unintentionally. But you didn't know them that well, did you? Yeah. Well, I kind of knew them, but not as much as I later became friends of them. I, right. I've had, I've been friends with them now for years. In fact, one of them has even come up here and visited in Evansville. So, yeah. yeah. So the big question that, that was actually asked uh, that got us onto this whole conversation was, uh, and you've already somewhat given your answer, is there an appropriate time to walk away? Mm. And you said you never think it's an appropriate time to give up on somebody. Well, no. Okay, so let's get into that now. Make your case that there is an appropriate time for us today to walk away from someone. Well, I'm saying in principle, it's not like the Bible will has no nothing to support it. I mean, Jesus could say, you know, don't cast pearls to swine. Jesus says, shake the dust off if they don't receive the message. Whatever, We're talking about cities, really, not necessarily individuals. Mm -hmm. But but I mean, it's it's not like it's unheard of. But what I like about the the story about Felix and Paul is there was no conversion there, at least not recorded. We don't know what happened. Right. You know. But it's not recorded, neither with Agrippa, which to tell you something about the biblical data on giving your personal testimony as evangelism. Um, but we'll leave that aside. <laughs> uh, um, with the Felix story, he kept initiating the conversations over the course of two years. Right. So that's, and I'm sure we have people in our lives who are talking about way longer than that. I think that I'm not saying that you should ever give up altogether. But if you are the, oh, great, he's going to talk about Jesus guy, mm -hmm. you've become less effective to that person. But if you're the, I want to talk about Jesus, so I call him guy, you want to be that guy where they initiate it because they have questions or whatever. Because if you've been, if you've evangelized this person for any number of times, you know, over the, let's say you spent a year and every time you're with them, you're trying to evangelize them 
and they come to think that that's what your relationship is all about is that he is um a sales goal <laughs> you know uh or whatever i think you're i, I just think practically speaking you're gonna turn them off you're gonna burn a bridge right but i think i do think there's a sense in where if you're talking about people that are in your personal life you can i would say uh, witness to them regularly but then if, if you're getting nowhere with them or if you see where it's to the point where they're starting to avoid you now because of mm -hmm. that Shut well, it down. What, what, shut, shut it down, and 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 let them come to you. Mm -hmm. Now, remember what I said about people that you don't know. Uh, also, can be successful. Well, here's the interesting thing about churches. Here's the in interesting thing about social media. So, say it's your cousin you're talking about. Your cousin lives in a city forty minutes away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you know you can get on the internet and contact pastors in cities that you yeah, don't live in? That's a good point. And they will, if you give, we used to have a word that we would, and I know this is more sales talk, but prospects. Sure. They are prospects. Right. And a prospect is just someone you're trying to reach with whatever you've got that they ought to have. Right. And don't discount the, 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 the ability of a stranger. Yeah. And you can put them on somebody's radar you don't know, but if you say you're a part of the denomination, contact Southern Baptist. If you're a Southern Baptist or Assembly of God, contact a pastor in that denomination. Mm -hmm. Somebody, pastors aren't evildoers like everyone thinks. Oh, pastors are typically horrible. No, they're not. They're, they're great people. Absolutely. And say, look, can your church pray for this guy? And can you? Here's here's what I can tell you about my cousin Bill. Bill works at this place in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, he fills up his gas tank at this gas station X amount of times. He likes to eat at this restaurant. Here's some things about Bill. Here's his home address and his whatever. Um, can you maybe... Well, and if you feel like that's creepy to give out the personal information, here's what you can do. I've done this before. Is call the person, call the pastor or a Christian friend that's strong in next town over and say, hey... Um, my cousin Bill recently moved into your area. Um, I, he, I, I think he'd like to get to know the people in that community. Um, would you mind reaching out to him? And if it's a Christian, they might say, well, uh, hey, does Bill go to church anywhere? Does Bill? I don't really think Bill has a relationship with God. I don't I don't know for sure, but I don't think Bill, you know, okay, no problem. And you know what that guy's going to do? Principally, that Christian, if he's serious, what most pastors are going to do is, they're going to go do some active service for Bill. Take a fruit basket to Bill. Right. Uh, go do something like that. Give Visitation. him a mug from the church or something. Visitation. Imagine yeah. that. that. And say, hey, if, yeah. I, if I can ever help you with anything, let me know. By the way, we'd love to have you in church this Sunday. And and, and then the evangelism starts. Yeah. That's, and and I, people are going to, you know how you said kayaking is not direct evangelism, mm -hmm. but we have, we're going to call it indirect evangelism, right? And I've seen this really work in Cedar Heights Baptist Church, North Rock, mm -hmm. Arkansas. Okay, especially with my dad's Sunday school class. We'll call it indirect evangelism. My dad said, y "You know how you can, you know what you can do if you if you're worried about evangelizing, invite them to church, invite them to this group." Sure. Yeah. That's it. But back somebody on the... else can somebody else can do the talking mm -hmm. if that's not your thing, or if you've talked them out. But back on the other issue yeah. you were talking about, like, what do you do when you feel like you're gonna 
tire them out on it or burn the bridge or something. I've had friend. I have a friend right now that uh, is not a Christian and I still want to be around him and mm -hmm. I still want to, uh, when he's around, when he's in town or whatever. And so what I've said, what I said to him was, um, listen, um, I've, I've shared the gospel with you many times. You know where I say on this. You know this is the most important issue to me in the world. And I think the most important issue for you is that you come to faith in Christ. But I feel like I've made that clear to you. I think I've clarified the gospel and I've clarified that I'm available to talk to you about it. Going forward, I'm going to talk a little bit about Christianity because that's my life. But at the same time, I want you to know I'm not going to be so pushy about it, but I'm here available for you to talk to when you're ready for that. But that doesn't mean you never bring it up again, but it means you don't bring it up as much. You bring it up later. You've done your part. Now, um, so you're talking about a biblical precedent for uh, when Jesus says, dust off your feet. Well, I, I'm saying I'm saying in principle to stop with somebody there's something about it's that. not beyond the pale that oh right you, I'm, you, I'm not going to shoot it you've down. not committed the 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 worst sin ever if you just let it go with that person let it go you're afraid I'm going to shut you down no but letting it go with somebody does not mean that you have to let let it we, we've given alternatives to that find a stranger yeah even in your own city if they if you if it's a friend down the road but let's take it and seriously. send send other Christians after them because they've heard it enough from you you can do that they're not gonna they're not gonna be as well I mean people are jerks nowadays they, they'll shout at you in public the way that they shout at you on social media you know these days but typically they Jonathan, they might be less defensive Jonathan, with someone else yeah. you think I'm gonna shoot this down let me tell you something I I could counter I think some of the stuff and you know the counters. I've seen you, you know, talking with other people about the counters. Yeah. You know, for example, that um, what Jesus said, he said at a specific time in history to a particular group of people. And perhaps there's a case that that's not necessarily what he would tell everyone always and for everywhere. Um, and what does it exactly mean to cast pearls before swine? We could have a whole Except we did see that. it in Acts. But here's, here's uh, yeah. an example where I think it might be the right thing to stop. Um, I was on Twitter recently. Um, I had someone say to me, this is just today, actually, uh, or on the 14th. Is today the 14th? I don't know. A ruler wouldn't believe unless he saw signs and wonders. Thomas wouldn't believe unless he could touch the wounds. Even if I saw signs and wonders and the wounds, I would not believe. I might believe in dumb simulators, like that we're living in a simulation, mm -hmm. but I will never believe in God. I'm content in atheism. A person like that is basically telling you there is nothing that will convince me. I will not be convinced. Right. And, more, and it's because I'm content in my atheism. I frankly like it. Yeah. Okay. With such a person who tells me that, what am I going to do? If they wouldn't believe if they could touch the side, you know, Thomas sees the sides and falls and says, my Lord, my God. But if they could, if they wouldn't believe if they didn't see the touch, the side, the wounds and all that, then, and see the signs and wonders, then how is the Kalam going to convince them? How is the design argument going? Because basically what they've said is, and we've said this many times, I know this is the theology side of what we do, but they've basically said, like Matt Dillahunty, though he won't, I don't think he would admit to this, I have constructed an epistemology such that nothing conceivably will pass muster and convince me, and that is an extravagant way 
of deciding not to believe the gospel message. Right. A so, conscious effort to not believe yeah. it. So um, you're right. At that point, do you think I'm going to talk to that guy about it anymore? I'm done. I'm not going to try to witness that guy. But you know what? Maybe you can. And, or maybe the Holy Spirit will directly convict in such a way that it surprises him and he would believe. But in but there have been times where I've said to God, God, I want this person. We've been using the name Bill. So God, I want Bill to be saved. I've tried everything I know to do. I've prayed about it. I've asked you to help. I've done everything I can. If Bill is going to get saved, it's going to, you're got, you're going to use somebody besides Braxton Hunter. It seems now that, that, at that point, I'm done. Yeah. What else can I do? It doesn't mean if Bill shows signs later that I'm not going to entertain it. But practically speaking, yeah, I'm shaking my feet yeah. off. If he comes to you with questions, not come to you for a fight. Like if mm -hmm. Bill comes to me to talk about Christianity because he wants a, another debate. No, no. No. Done. done. You've already showed your hand. But if you're coming, yeah. But, but like I said, though, and what you just said, God, send someone else. And guess what? You can actually help facilitate God sending someone else by being proactive about it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you, because, you know, nobody's a lost cause. Yeah, there are lost causes. But even though we don't want to think of anybody for as a lost us. cause. Yeah, it could be a lost cause for you. And when you're tilting at those kind of windmills, you know, if you're, if you're spending all your focus on, on that, you're not focusing on the people that you could have an impact on. And let me give you an example of somebody who has a really big impact on this very, or at least did for a few years. I know he's getting too busy nowadays, but for a couple of years had a big impact on this city as far as personal evangelism go. And that's one of our students, Dylan Simmons mm -hmm. was out here with a team, but that, you know, they would initiate conversations right outside of these windows of your beautiful office down at the, uh, nice looking riverfront that overlooks the ugliest river on uh, this continent. Um, the ugly, nasty. It's definitely the most polluted, I think it was voted. Right. Um, the Ohio River's nasty. But anyway, he would get on this riverfront and win people to Jesus. And you know, you know how many of those people he knew? Not None many. of them. You know, and, and you could, if you have a passion for evangelism, see, but there's the thing. Is it a passion for evangelism that 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 I, I and I, I didn't talk to? Um, I think yeah, it was Jose. No, mm -hmm. who who wanted this topic or not? Um, who asked about this very question? I thought we'd wrap it yeah. in other stuff. Jose but, Martinez. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think it was him. I don't know for sure, but I think it was him who asked about it. But uh, one of the things that I hope is that it comes from you know, a love of evangelism, right? That you, more so, you know, um, and this is going to sound bad. We all have loved ones that we want to see get saved. Yes. But if your evangelizing efforts for a friend, family member, whatever, is because more, uh, more of, you know, your passion is more about them being saved than it is actually evangelizing to them. You just want to see them get saved. There's something about being too close to that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That you've got to read. And I'm not saying this is what he said. Like I said, I didn't ask what prompted this question, but I have, I have some unsaved loved ones in my life that, 
I do not want them to be lost, right? Mm -hmm. But I also know that I can't devote all of my energies on evangelizing them because my time is limited. And that means I'm not doing enough evangelism. So, you know, when it comes to evangelism, if you love evangelism and you want to see people get saved, don't tilt at all the windmills in your life. Go out and see what you can do with strangers, you know, um, even if it's just inviting people to church, because it starts to negatively impact your walk with God, and you can become really disgruntled or frustrated or whatever because you've invested so much in seeing this person, this loved one, this family member, this friend get saved and them not convert that, you know, it can, it can, it can have a negative impact on your walk with God. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I, you know, one thing we can say, Pritchett, and I think it, we could maybe start to wind this down. Do you have more that you no. want to say about this? Um, is that in addition to all this, maybe you're an interested layperson who has no plans toward professional ministry in this, or maybe you're a pastor, or maybe something else. But um, one thing we can say is we have lots of courses on evangelism at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. In fact, our apologetics courses are geared toward evangelism. Our theology courses are geared toward evangelism. And you can learn from incredible people like Dr. Uh, Jonathan Pritchett and Dr. Leighton Flowers. Who's a director of evangelism. Yep, and teaches a class on the nature of salvation. You can learn from Chris Date who has a lot to say about salvation. You can learn, listen, our school is going to teach you all of the ivory tower stuff, but we also want to, we, we want to, um, prepare you for, saved. yeah, we want to prepare you to see people get saved. evangelism. We're here to win souls, not just arguments. Right. So, um, check us out at trinitysim.edu and you can do that by going to trinitysim.edu and filling out the little brief form. I promise you, it won't take you 30 seconds. Go time yourself, time yourself. See if you can finish that form in 30 seconds. It's on the right hand side. I bet you can't. It's on the right hand side of the script. Prove me wrong. This is like the most obvious re uh, reverse psychology ever. Yes. Uh, on the right hand side of the screen. Or just call. Just call the number and ask to speak to Steve Selby or Andrew Armstrong. And, and uh, we'll, we'll set you up, man. Tell them you heard about it on Trinity Radio Extra, yeah. right? All right, Pritchett, how do you want to close this thing down? Well, I, we haven't done this in a while, so we want to plug the other podcasts, YouTube channels, and the Trinity Commission, the Bible Bro Down with Matt Chisholm and Ben Lee Winland, Stereology 101 with Leighton Flowers, Narrow Path with Steve Gregg. We're adding some. We've been saying that for a long time, but I guess we can go ahead and say the Theo Apologetics. Chris Date's going to be part of the Trinity Commission, and uh, Tim Stratton's Free Thinking Ministries podcast, he said he is going to be part of the Trinity Commission. So check all of those resources out. We plug all the people not in the Trinity Commission too much and not the Trinity Commission enough lately. So we're going to plug them. Go check them out. And if you like this kind of content. Also, whoa, also, yeah. also members of the Trinity Commission. Oh, yeah, I forgot, yeah. Believing Thinkers with Sean Hurst and occasionally wife. Believing Thinkers. Check that out. You may Watch have seen him on What Do You Meme and David Wood. He was the guy that David Wood had on to interview because he got the coronavirus and he's, he, he survived. So he's official now too. Yeah, he's official. Oh, sweet. I, I don't know see. if he knows it, but he is. Okay. So check out the other, I guess it's time for you to update the banner with all these folks. Anyway, 
Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. And uh, we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio Extra. <laughs>